Hello from ABA Mid-Year Meeting 2018 in Vancouver, Canada. I'm Lawrence Galetti. I'm Kevin Knapper. And I'm Nina Marino. And we're on the road with Legal Talk Network. And we're back. Thank you so much for joining us today. The sun has set in Vancouver, but we're still here covering with much enthusiasm ABA Mid-Year Meeting. And I have a couple of wonderful guests joining us today. I have Mr. Kevin Knapper and Miss Nina Marino. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having us. So my first question before we get started, I just want to learn a little bit more about you. Where do you work? What do you do? And I think ladies first, wouldn't you agree, Kevin? Well, I will take that uh, invitation. So my name is Nina Marino. I am a partner with Kaplan Marino. We are a white-collar criminal defense firm based in Beverly Hills, and I've uh, been practicing for close to 30 years, do a lot of white-collar defense, and incorporated in that is defending compounding pharmacies. Okay, excellent. And Kevin? I practice uh, on my own with the law offices of Kevin Knapper in Tampa, Florida. Uh, I have about 34 years of experience doing a broad range of white-collar criminal defense matters, including representing compounding pharmacies. Okay, so that's my first question. So I admittedly, I do a lot of research. Uh, it was difficult because it's a new topic for me. So compounding pharmacies, what are those? Just kind of brief definition. Compounding pharmacies are pharmacies that prepare uh, medication that are uh, somewhat outside the norm, if you will, in terms of they're specially tailored to various medical needs. Uh, for example, if, if an individual, a patient, uh, has uh, an allergy to a particular compound in a traditional prescription, a compounding pharmacy would formulate a prescription that would not affect the allergies of the patient, for example. Okay, so I mean, it kind of customized the medication for special needs. And so the defending compounding pharmacy enforcement action Obviously, this is a presentation here at the American Bar Association mid-year meeting. Can we get the 50,000 foot? What does that mean, defending uh, the compounding pharmacy enforcement actions? Well, I'm going to give you a little bit of background because what happened as the soldiers were coming back from the Middle East and they had scars, they had a litany of injuries and ailments, these creams that have been around for forever, uh, particular uh, scar treatment creams, or pain creams were prescribed for these returning soldiers, these veterans. And what happened, as we've seen in the healthcare industry and in the defense industry and in virtually every industry, there's always room for fraud, right? In the tax world, there's, there's always room for fraud. And what happened is as these prescriptions were being written and uh, the medications were being delivered to these soldiers, uh, there were certain players, whether that those were doctors or pharmacists or owners of pharmacies who abused the writing the prescriptions. And because they're specialized prescriptions, as Kevin already described, they're expensive. So TRICARE is the a government healthcare uh, insurance provider, just like Medicare would be, but it's particular to uh, government employees like, you know, returning veterans. And what the industry saw was a lot of prescriptions being 
written to people that didn't need the prescription. So, you know, a family of five and they're all getting a prescription for scar cream. And the reason that was happening was so that the government insurer could be billed and then the writer of the prescription, whether it's the pharmacy or the pharmacist or the owner of the pharmacy was, was getting reimbursed by the insurance carrier. Since that time, of course, now the proliferation of the fraud has spread also to private insurers as well. But it's really about billing an insurance company for something that somebody doesn't need. Do you think that's an accurate description, Kevin? I, I do, although you know, you and I represent a number of uh, pharmacies that are legitimate businesses that have done nothing wrong, uh, are, are providing a service to patients uh, and lawfully prescribing compound drugs uh, that are lawfully prescribed by a legitimate physician, but unfortunately are caught up in this uh, sort of a wave of investigations and prosecutions that have been brought by the Department of Justice. That's exactly right. And this is something we see throughout white-collar practice, Kevin and I, because initially, yes, there's a, there's a problem, there's a fraud, it's identified by the government, but what we see is the government gets so aggressive that the net gets thrown out so wide that the guppies get wrapped up with the fish that are targeted and... Uh, and many of those people are our clients. And, you know, as, as Nina mentioned, when the government first started investigating these, some of the investigations were brought about because of widespread media coverage on uh, some of the more egregious examples of fraud. For example, certain pain creams that were selling for $40,000 a tube, for example, or uh, scar creams uh, that were being prescribed for entire families and with young children, and obviously they didn't need the scar cream, but fraudsters were making those prescriptions. And as a result, uh, the Department of Justice and, and various inspector general and, and various investigative agencies started looking at, at these issues and legitimate providers got caught up in it. So I'm getting a little bit of the, the what and the why, but uh, in terms of the how, so you're a, you know, a good meaning you, uh, pharmacy, you're not trying to commit any fraud, you're not trying to get into trouble. And this investigation, widespread, uh, ends up on your front doorstep. Mm -hmm. So what advice would you give to a pharmacy or an organization with a pharmacy within it, uh, to how to react to this? Well, I know what Kevin's going to say, because I would say the exact same thing. And that is call a lawyer. I mean, call someone that knows what they're doing, particularly in these kinds of investigations. And they're unique these compounding pharmacy investigations. And the reason they're unique is because you're dealing with so many different players that don't necessarily know what each other are doing. So you've got the pharmacist. You can have a completely innocent pharmacist that's getting prescriptions from a doctor, filling those prescriptions, just doing his job, and all of a sudden the board of pharmacy is all over that pharmacist. Well, the pharmacist is just filling the prescriptions Maybe the doctor's writing prescriptions that shouldn't be written. Maybe the owner of the pharmacy uh, is paying marketers to to generate more prescriptions. So there's so many nuances to this area that really the best thing to do is to get uh, competent counsel. And I'd like us to talk, Kevin, if we have time, about um, not competent counsel. 
So we were well, talking. Let's, let's talk about that, the competent counsel part. So this happens to you. Let's say you're in a small town. You've got, uh, you're, you're operating a local drugstore. You have one pharmacist that yeah. works for you. What type of attorney do you need to start looking for when one of these investigations lands on your doorstep? You need a lawyer who is knowledgeable and uh, skilled and experienced in the healthcare field. Uh, who knows that these types of investigations have dire collateral consequences. Mm-hmm. In other words, you can you can lose your pharmacy license, you can lose your business, you can have a government action to forfeit your business, your you know, your bank account, to say nothing of criminal prosecution if it's not handled appropriately. So how quickly does this happen? I mean, once an investigation starts, is it just totally locked down? You can no longer work on creating medications for your customers where you're going to take everything, your computers impound everything, take it with you for evidence. I mean, what is it? What does a typical investigation look like? Is this like a morning or a raid or, you know, you know what I mean? These investigations can go on for a very, very long time. I mean, years. So, and there are so many different agencies involved. So yes, you could have that morning call by the board of pharmacy and you could have a call two weeks later from the FDA Um, You could have the Department of Justice involved. You can have the FBI involved. uh, You can have the DEA involved. And that's just on the federal side. So uh, you could also have local regulatory agencies involved. And all of these agencies are sharing information, presumably. So in terms of the how fast this is going to move, that we're not seeing them move fast. We're seeing them move slowly but all the more reason why they have to be strategically managed in terms of educating the different uh, law enforcement agencies as to, as to what is happening in the pharmacy. It, there is no one size fits all. So my, my background, I did a little bit of commercial real estate. One of the things that we'd recommend is kind of a general slip and fall insurance policy. Is there any kind of insurance products you recommend for somebody that operates a, a pharmacy to help prevent or help uh, reduce the uh, impact of something like this happening. Or you can get criminal defense coverage in almost any insurance policy, but I think, uh, which is always great, of course. But one thing a pharmacy must do and should do is have a compliance program because the stronger the compliance program, the less likely that uh, any player or actor that has a, a part in the operation of that pharmacy is going to be able to um, behave badly without the other players knowing. That's right. And it needs to be a real compliance program that's implemented that that's not just a a check the box, if you will, sort of, you know, (laughs) bare bones program. The government wants to know that the that the business is in full compliance with state and federal regulations and and has good practices in place uh, to ensure that the employees are compliant. So I'm hearing better call Saul when this happens <laughs> right away. No, no, no. It's Kevin and Nina. Oh, Kevin and Nina. That's right. That's right. So just in addition to obviously calling a lawyer when uh, bad things happen, when the investigation starts or, or you start getting letters from the different powers that be, are there some organizations of pharmacists out there that uh, kind of deal with this, that they talk about it, some some place they could go that maybe it's not necessarily a lawyer, the first call. Maybe when you're talking about some of these preventative measures, there's a, a trade agency or, or, or some place to join. Well, there are professional organizations like like there are for lawyers, for pharmacists, but if you own a compounding pharmacy and you receive a civil investigative demand or a subpoena or, God forbid, agents show up with raid jackets and execute a search warrant, you need competent counsel and you need competent counsel now. 
Uh, you don't want to call a trade organization for advice at that point. You need to get a lawyer on board and, and have him or her start doing what they need to do to protect you uh, individually and the, and the business. And it really is a specialized area of practice. So uh, white collar criminal defense is in and of itself a specialized area of practice, and this is even more specialized. Well, I just have one last question for you. So our listeners out there, it's going to be a primarily legal audience, but there might be the occasional civilian out there uh, that may need your services. So just in terms of follow-up questions, if somebody wants to find you, how can they reach out? So go to my website. We are at uh, kaplanmarino.com, K-A-P-L-A-N-M-A-R-I-N-O.com. That's my firm. We're in Beverly Hills. And Kevin. And they can go to my website, www.kevinnapperlaw.com. Uh, uh, I'm in Tampa. And they can go to my website and all the contact information, including my cell phone, uh, is on the website. Excellent. Well, we've reached into the road for today's episode, but I want to thank our guests for joining us and also our listeners for tuning in. And if you like what you heard today, please rate us an Apple podcast. We'll see you next time for another episode of On the Road with Legal Talk Network. If you'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via iTunes and RSS, find us on Twitter and Facebook, or download our free Legal Talk Network app in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Uh-huh.